Welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with Max from the podcast Bitches with Beards. There. Hello. Hey, hey Max, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And I am, am I a friend? Can I call you Marv? You can, of course. Yep. It, Hi, Marv. How it, are you it doing? It makes it less formal. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. At uh, this time of the night, I'm, I'm okay. I feel like I'm at work. I mean, yeah, and don't don't be mistaken because it sounds like we're in the same country, but we're not. I know. I'm I'm luckily five hours behind, so I just got back from work. And it's beautiful and sunny where he is, and it's dark outside here. I'm I'm just there to make you feel jealous. Yeah, Washington State at the moment, fantastic. <laughs> I put my phone. I forget we're on audio medium. Yeah, that's brilliant. People will people will be able to hear you. Put your thumb up. <laughs> I don't know whether this is going to sound wrong or not, but I'm probably wrong in detecting a bit of a Brit- uh, slight leftover British accent in there. Or am I wrong? Oh, there? it's it's definitely not leftover. I'm um, from Croydon. Yeah. Um, I immigrated seven years ago, um, but I just came back. I was there two weeks ago, so um, it's got a little bit strong. It got a bit topped up, yeah. but no, I'm actually an, I'm actually an expat. Yeah, I thought so. So you've been over back over here to visit, and you've sort of got the, the the Cockney twinge back again. So, or, or would you always add that? Uh, it never really went. My mum actually insisted it got stronger. I think the thing of, uh, of Americans is that you have to lose the, 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 the rhyming slang. Yeah. So I think my language, I sped my voice, because when I'm here, my voice is a lot slower. I'm very conscious of the wording that I use. And after coming back, uh, my husband had to poke me and go, you've gone full British, full Croydon, calm it down. And like walk into work and be like, oh, yeah. and they're like, what the hell have you been? Just calm down. But yeah, no, so it, it gets worse when I'm in England and it especially gets worse when my parents visit as well. So, um, but yeah, it's not going anywhere. And I see now I'm doing podcasting. It's my calling card on American podcasts. So <laughs> got, a, got a differentiate between me and Daniel somehow. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, I mean, I found it over here. Then again, you're over in America, so you're used to it. But I know that over time, I've had to pull back on a lot of the colloquialisms that we have in the north of England, uh, because I'll say things to American guests and guests in other countries, and they have no idea what I'm talking about, because I'll say, I'll use like a word that I'm used to using. And so... In yeah. a sense, it, I have to simplify what I'm saying in a way, and that's not meant as a nasty way of saying it. It's just that I've got to remember that I'm talking to people that have no idea and aren't the you know the local people that I speak to in my everyday life. But it's interesting because someone we've had it. So my husband's a sign language interpreter, which is why it yeah. comes up. Jamie S. M. S. L. Yeah. Interpreter for his this. Um, so I. 
I, I married an American, but luckily someone that has that interpretation skill. But he'd say to me, like, I speak to Northern people over here and he'd be like, I've no idea what they meant. And I went, well, they meant this, they meant that, they meant this. And he goes, oh, so you know that word? I said, no, but I use context. I hear tone. I think as Brits, we we use a lot of context. So you could say something to me. And I would never have heard that phrase before, but I'll be like, well, he's talking about this and he's using this tone of voice. So I'm guessing he's talking about milking yep. a cow, you know? And um, so it, it's, it's been quite interesting on that, in that context, but no, you're right. You do. If I'm comfortable with people, I will use a lot of, of, of like slang. Um, yep. But at work, I, I work for, in a non-profit era we work close with government i have to be very careful but then at the same time is they find me quite charming which i don't get because i'm from croydon and they're like you sound so posh and that that, that phrase now makes my husband he'll just cry <laughs> laughing and go you've no idea where he grew up like he's like no he's not posh whatsoever uh, yeah i've been to some lesser areas of london we'll put, put it that way I don't live in Buckingham Palace, but it's pretty no. like that. But the last time we went to London, we stayed in a hotel where when we got back, we found out that there was a murder by by knife of two people the night before outside the front door. Oh, God. Yeah, you get that. They, they, they like to cover it up. But the Brits like a little bit of a, a nasty murder sometimes, I think. That, like my mum... My mum stayed in a hotel when we when we first moved out. Our, our apartment wasn't big enough for for my mother, and she said her beauty products. So she stayed at a Hilton, and my husband was like, "Oh, that's that's we call that the Hinkley Hilton." And she's like, "Why is it called that?" She goes, oh, "Reagan was shot there." Um, and Jamie was like, "Her husband was very much like, um, what what what?" He goes, "What what? Why is she why is she excited?" And I went, "Well, because you know it's um." it's like there's what the brits do we love it we love all that you know it doesn't put us off and mum's there like oh can i go and see what now you can't go and see where it happened but you know it was it's our obsession we have we're, we're a very interesting species to brits and i haven't appreciated that until i got over here so i'm hoping i'm spreading that a little bit to the world but then again i mean you know to, you get some areas of america where you have something like that happen and the photographers are there before the police arrive yeah you know, oh, there's somebody, there's somebody dead outside this shop. Oh, I've got to photograph this and put it up on Instagram and Facebook. And oh, somebody was ah. shot outside such and such. No, I can't. That that is it's weird. And you know, I know this is what part of the interview is, but like I I you know, I podcast, I discuss my week, I discuss culture, but I still think there's limits on how much you should share. And I'm like, that's you know, I've just spent an hour talking about myself, but no, let's not film everything that's just not needed so what's your history with podcasts then were you were you into podcasts before starting the show or 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 did it just you just thought oh what's this podcasting thing i'll have a go of it um i got into podcasting my first podcast was the rupaul podcast years back and i got into it when i got my first big job in the states after emigrating and it was the job from hell and I was miserable and I sat there and I was like, okay, well, I know about this podcast and I tried it out and it gave me a lot of comfort, which it sounds like a little bit of a sad, depressing way to start, but I loved it. And 
I started that. And then also you start one podcast and they have guests and then there's another podcast. And I became firmly podcast addicted. And then after I left that job, I ended up working in my present one for a non uh, like a global nonprofit as a videographer. But during the interview, they said, do you think you could do podcasting? And I went, well, I know video audio. Um, and by that point, I'd already met my co-host, Daniel, who had his own podcast, and we bonded over that. Um, I, I, I got some advice off him. I got some advice off some friends in England. And uh, that got me producing podcasts with guests bigger than I deserve to have. Um, I produced that for a couple of years and eventually decided that I wanted to do my own. I was kind of bored of <laughs> sitting there producing political podcasts and wanted to actually talk crap myself um and make it funny and that that's like sort of my short history of podcasting um but my actual my actual original introduction to being behind the mic was so daniel my my wonderful co-host uh, he had his own true crime podcast yeah uh, and I became a bit of a super fan and that's how we became very good friends because I kept on like giving him notes I'm surprised actually we became friends because I kept giving him notes. But during the, the the lockdown, obviously COVID was tough and true crime didn't really mix with people. And him and his co-hosts were very much like, we're not sure if we're going to carry on. Max, do you want to come and do some British stories with us? Um, and so I did a couple of British serial killers and really enjoyed it. And that sort of got me going into thinking, you should develop your own podcast. And that's where the bug hit and the bug hit very strong. Yep. Um, I mean, saying that, I mean, true crime is one of the biggest, you know, yep. listened to podcast around the world. Um, we were discussing about crime before we, before we started this recording. Yeah. But um, I mean, the, the interesting thing is that you are your, your show um, because because you're both from, you know, you're both, you know, yourself and your your part, you know, your partner on the show are both gay. It's it's yeah. it's great because then you're going into it from an, going into this, you know, chat between two people from a different angle to a lot of shows. And the thing is that you're opening up um, the world, or you're helping. I think you help people a lot by talking about what's going on in that world in the cult the gay culture and 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 then just but it's not in a way that's that's you know that puts people off i think anybody can listen to it and get something from it i just think it's fascinating i, I actually i want to thank you for saying that because one of the things that we we wanted to do was so we call ourselves coastal grandmas, where yeah. which is the term for I don't know if anyone here really doesn't know that, but it's like the Diane Keating sort of rich retirees who enjoy white wine without any form of liver disease and monetary cost. Um, we decided that we wanted to have this attitude of, well, I mean, I'm in my he's in his mid 30s. I'm in my late 30s. We're not outraging every night. We're not doing everything. We, but we feel that the the sort of attitude to the gay scene is the very sweetie darling, darling. We're here, we're there. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing tonight. And we're like, no, we're tired. This is what real gay guys 
talk about this is what we experience and so thank you for noticing that because we didn't want to gatekeep we're not trying to gatekeep culture we're just yep. saying this is what we're observing and i hope you find it funny how we talk about it well it definitely works i mean you know it's it's not you know it it it, it definitely i mean i was fascinated i mean i'm going to keep listening to be quite, quite honest i just found thank it you. really interesting that you were t- what you were talking about with that and then in the first episode that I listened to, you were talking about actually, you went into the subject of film, and I'm trying to remember what it was about. You were talking about your own history and learning about the film, your own history with film. Yeah, that was so, they were quite fun episodes to do. So because we're a weekly culture podcast, unfortunately yeah. we shoot ourselves in the foot in that we can't actually do too far ahead because especially and you would notice marv as well like way podcasting works is that yes we record on a thursday friday but we don't release till next wednesday so by the time there's such a jump ahead already that we can't record in the in in you know too far ahead so when we were on vacation we both interviewed each other and we discussed our love of of culture and that's why my one is rapidly longer than Daniel's because he, uh, he he I like to talk culture but no film was my introduction to culture I've always loved cinema and it's something that if you get me talking about film I I will I will go into film language I'll go I can just I can talk about any film for about half an hour so that for me was it I, I enjoyed doing in that that episode quite a bit but it, and I hope that it it, it made people look at things in a different way that's all we ask with this you know the other day this is a tangent i was uh, looking at um twitter and somebody posted something up and they're on about uh the film jaws i think and they posted a gif that was um you know the the scene in jaws where they're on the beach and yeah. Bro- brody brody is sat on the ch- chair and he's got his wife ellen at the back of him and then it and then then it's the moment where he notices the shark, and you've got this camera shot, and I hadn't realised this. I mean, I've seen the film loads of times. It's one of my favourite films, Jaws, and uh, it got this camera shot where it pulls out or whatever. But so the background pulls away, but he, they are still in the foreground of the shot. And then I said, to, I said, I sent as a message as a response on Twitter. I put. I'd never realised until now. Steven Spielberg is doing the shot that Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock essentially shot, yeah. did in Vertigo. And yeah, I just found it fascinating. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's the Vertigo shot. But it became the Peter Jackson shot because they used it when the ring waves appear in Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. So what they do is they, they track the camera forwards and then they zoom out at the same time. So it takes a lot. You have to ride with it. I've tried it. it if a handy cam and it does not work but um if you've got a full-on set but no that i love that style and yeah they use it when brody sees um i think that's the horrible bit of the little kid on the lilo and it yeah then yeah. uh so don't get me to one film i all got jaws that was a film that terrified me first of all and my brother never went into the ocean for five years after watching that it's made better by the fact that the shark didn't work most of the time because that creates the suspense yeah, well, do you know who broke it? No. So that's the, no. Spielberg snuck um, Lucas and a couple of the others in to go look at this, what they've done, and they were playing with the shark and they broke it um, middle of the night and they had to run off set. And the next day, this poor 
like person came up to Luke Spielberg and went, we're really sorry, Mr. Spielberg, but someone's broken your shark. And he's like, no, who would do that? So um, that's part of the reason why it was broken. Well, he had uh, he had George Lucas on set and Scorsese as well on set yeah. because these the the t- to people who follow film, there's the famous. Um, I can't believe we're going into filming. Uh, there's the famous okay. thing with, with the um, with the ending where you get the ending as it is in the film where Brody shoots the shark. Yeah, and that that was actually a suggestion apparently from Scorsese that they do that in the film. It wasn't in the original story by Benchley. I don't think Benchley actually liked. That ending. No. He stabbed a shark in a book, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think the the um, the idea was that I think the studio also weren't happy with the stabbing because it's implied at the end of the book that the shark swims off, and they said we cannot finish this film with the implication there's still a shark out there. But um, no, it's quite an amazing film, and like the famous headshot, you know, where the head comes out of the boat, was yeah. filmed in Spielberg's swimming pool, and they just filled it with milk, and it. Um, in the, it's, it's quite a, it's interesting when we see a film as a large blockbuster and this is what I find fascinating 70s culture the 70s filmmaking is fascinating was that these were kind of real crib together films and that's where my obsession with culture comes in is that I just love that what we take for I, I think it's for me of culture and film it's like what we take for granted is actually like a really deep and layered story and there's a narrative there within it, and I just and I and I and that's why we have tangents because we start thinking of stories and this and that and Jaws isn't even one of my favorite films but I know like five big stories from it and I just my head is full of all this useless knowledge but you know I can barely remember husband's name sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it goes hand in hand. The the world as we continue to 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 you know go from one decade to another to another. Not only do the way that people behave and, you know, the culture and even the language and all sorts of things change among humans anyway, but so does film. So does all sorts of media, film, television. This is a media that's, that suddenly got more surprisingly for saying that podcasting has been going since the mid to late two thousands. Yeah. It's amazing how it's where it is now and not, and it's taken that time to get there. But, so the world will continue to do that. Whatever we're doing now, there'll be something. So film changes, the way that people film things and the way that people, music changes, art changes. But something that I do like is the fact of, at the same time, you've got an almost nostalgia with all of this as well. And so you get things come back in a way. It's a bit like um, the um, uh, Del Toro film that came out recently where he's gone back to using stop motion. Yeah. And he's used some really good stop motion artist. I'll just shout out a friend of mine, Justin Rash, who's an incredible uh, stop motion uh, animator. And he worked, was one of them that worked on that film. But that's also a good thing because I think you need the practical in there, there and those sort of like fallbacks so that we don't, probably get too carried away with the modern technology. I don't know, really. Yeah, well, I, I mean, so I I, I started off in, like studying visual effects and I'm, I'm a videographer, but I use a lot of animation and motion graphics in my work because it just I prefer that to filming sometimes. But I, I am a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, 
Marv, you can see behind me there's a Star Wars poster. Yeah. Um, there's like Star Wars stuff all littered about. But I I I love the practical side of things. And a, a big sign of that a couple uh months back, or I think it was maybe last year, was the film Marcel the Shell with Shoes, yeah. which was about a shell with shoes. But that was a stop-motion character interacting in a real environment. And it had a very cute voice, but you can't tell me that that half the appeal of that was the physicality. There wasn't that CGI sheen. You had this real innocent little shell that was moving about. And I think it does change things. And I think there's, as you say, there's such a nostalgia with with film is that, you know, don't, don't tell me you don't you you don't get a thousand thoughts in your head when you smell popcorn. I'm, I'm I, you know, you get all these memories and I, I still go to the cinema. Uh, I, I mentioned on the podcast a lot once a week because there's a cheap night at my local. And it's just my, that's my meditation. I go, I, I my husband knows I'm there, so he knows not to buzz me. And it says an emergency, obviously, but I, I can switch off. And I love that focused darkness. But also, I feel that I have, that's been consistent my whole life. And my parents took me from a young age. And it's just a way of reconnecting. And I love that about it. It's a chance just kind of all these all these memories coming back to you. And I, I think it's such a wonderful thing. And I would say definitely that would be a stepping stone to why I got into culture like I did. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I found the same with, with cinema. I, like, I love going to the cinema and watching a film there because there's a huge difference between that, like you said, the lights go off and you're in that specific situation. When you watch a film at home, on your television set or your own systems at home, it's easy to get distracted by other things that are going on. And people will talk during a film, which is weird because you'll go to watch a film with these people in the cinema and it's quiet. It's, it's, it's like a completely different thing altogether. So I think there's a magic to the cinema and I really hope that it keeps going. I, I, you know, I don't like the talk of people saying, or perhaps the end is near for cinema. I, I really hope that it gets back to what it was in a way. I don't. I personally don't think it is. I think that actually COVID probably reminded people why cinema is so. The actual format of cinema is so important. So if anything came from COVID, it is that we had so much taken away. We remind us what we wanted. So I'm. I'm with you. We cannot lose cinema. Yeah. I want to see it out there in the dark and watch the screen. But we've also got the other problem now that because of COVID and you have got these films going straight directly to streaming. Yeah. It's given that problem where you know, I've got my slight issues with these people, these top directors saying, you know, about the Marvel industry and all these sorts of films and superhero films, not real cinema. This and them. Of course, it is real cinema because technically yeah. Star Wars is what they say is a thrill ride of a film. Yeah. Essentially, um, the problem is it's not with those films. It's with the studios now thinking, well, these are the films that make us the biggest amount of money. They're the ones that we'll put out there. These other films that don't make so much will do this. But that's where they're going wrong because sometimes going to a cinema and watching a film that's not one of these big blockbusters, you come out with, I mean, they they do, you know, a lot of the time you'll go and watch these and be like, wow, you know, incredible, this, that, and the other. But these other films that you watch, the, the lower films that they're sometimes throwing directly to streaming, they're the ones that get this emotional impact from, from within you that has a completely different feel to a big blockbuster. 
Yeah, no, I, I I mean, so just before Christmas, I went to see with a friend, um, oh, what was it called? Uh, the, uh, Spoiler alert. And yeah. it's uh, a gay romance with a very, I mean, this part of the title is it's the hero dies at the end. And there may have only been two other people in the cinema, but to sit there focused on it, it was a small film. It was very intimate, but there was that. So we just sat and wept. I've never cried like that in a film before. It was really guttural, but yeah. it, it it was to be kind of in that public space as well. It made you kind of it changed it changed how you interact with it. And also, like before uh, a few weeks back, I went to see The Evil Dead, and I hadn't seen a film, a horror film like that in the cinema for ages. And there was a stranger next to me virtually crawling into my lap screaming you know what was and i was like this is part of it she's saying sorry sorry and i was like no this is cult this is the culture you know just scream away and i said no we can't we it there's there's a place for every film and i think they just need to take more risks and they're not and that's we gotta let them take more risks yep yep um but anyway, going to go, I'm just going to touch again quickly on the the stop motion thing. What you were saying there about the movements, I know I was saying to somebody about Ray Harryhausen films. When I watch those films, there's because he's using stop motion and the very inhuman, the not very human motions that they're doing in a sense because of the yeah. the way that they do it, it adds a sort of creepiness and a bit of like. Mm-hmm otherworldliness to these darker characters you know like the medusa in yeah. in clash of the titans and then the skeletons in jason and the argonauts and these sort of things it's got that it adds that sort of level to it where i think cg because it's trying to trying to replicate the way that normal movement works it's not got the same creepness sort of factor yeah it's textures and it's also a gravity that it really annoys me when you see like cgi flight fight scenes and they're flying about and you're like can we add some gravity to this because at the moment you're you're pretty much going to float off screen so i think that actually boundaries and limitations create a more effective movie so i'm 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 excited that they're recognizing it if pinocchio and they're recognizing it with like marcel and i'm hoping that it's always going to be a time and a place for these traditional animations because and disney found this they 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 went for cgi and then their films failed and they re- and then they went down princess and the frog with a more traditional story and realized actually it wasn't this the the, the uh, artistry their narrative was crap and they yeah. they went back to basics and they they and they're they're flying high again so there's always it always comes back to the traditions and the tried and tested methods and we should never look away from those Absolutely. So are there any films that you think that are important to to the gay culture, well, to LGBTQ+, that you think that people should go out there and watch that are, you know, not, like I said earlier, they're not offensive or anything in any way, but they are important to get that culture across? Uh, I think that it's, for me, it's interesting that, any film older than five years, now you're going to find offensive in some way. I feel that our knowledge is changing so, so, so quickly. Uh, there's a, but there is a lot of, there's a lot of fantastic films out there. I think especially 70s and 80s has some very interesting ones. Um, I can't think off the top of my head really 
some of the really powerful, like the real powerful ones. But when they really started to emerge, when it started to become more mainstream, but definitely my biggest intro was The Birdcage is my absolute, it's on, it's on top of my list of one of my favourite movies. I watched it in my parents because it was just a mainstream film that just so happened to feature a gay couple. But it's absolutely brilliant. The dinner party scene stands up and I don't think anyone now can pick up a plate and go, ooh, it's like two boys playing leapfrog, I think is the most genius line. Pursuit the Queen of the Desert, if you really want a really good Australian movie, absolutely. Again, bitchy as hell, but absolutely, absolutely genius. It looks exquisite uh, because of the way it was shot. And then you've got the American equivalent to Wong Fu. Again, that's like you've seen Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, John Leguizamo in full drag. And yes, were they drag queens? No, but there are drag queens in there. And it uh, was, again, a lot of people's introduction. I, I could list and list and list and list. Spoiler, definitely give it a watch. If you, so I mentioned that one earlier, down to something like Angels in America. Weekend is one of my personal favorites, it's a British movie. But if you really, really, really want a really, really good heartwarming one, I highly recommend the film Pride about a true story of a group of uh, gay activists who supported the Welsh miners during the, the mining strikes. It's it's a, based on a true story. It's got, uh, oh, Amelda Staunton in it, uh, Paddy Constantine. It's got a fantastic cast and it's got the Andrew Scott's in it. And oh, I can't remember. There's so many people, but it's really, really well done. I loved it. It will make you cry every time at the end in the best way possible. So highly recommend that. And that's a really good introduction to modern gay cinema, more mainstream. Uh, so yeah, that that's my quick, very quick rundown on gay movies. Uh, but, you know, have my contact information at the end. If you want to contact me, I'm sure I can recommend a thousand other movies that will keep you busy through summer. Yep. It'll, it'll always answer you when you send him a message on Twitter. Will do. As long as it's nice. Or even if it's nasty, probably, but yeah. <laughs> so show history and description, we've sort of gone into that, would you agree? Or do you think there's any more to go into with that? Well, the only thing I'd say about if, if our show history, um it, the how we actually how we actually ended up sitting down and doing it was say Daniel's show just started to wind down. Um, and I was struggling. I, w- I was trying to produce my own podcast and I'm still actually working on the same one, but I, I overcomplicate everything. So my little idea for one, which is I, w- I won't go into, but it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, this is a lot for a first timer. And Daniel was like, this is a lot for a first timer. So but I really wanted to put something out there. And one night, and we bubbled with Daniel. So we were sitting there, we were having a glass of wine. I think it's probably a year and a half into COVID. Yeah. And we were sitting there and my husband just looked at us and went, why don't you two just do what you're doing right now as a podcast? Just do it. Stop excuses. And that's, so that's how the Bitches of Beards came about, was that it was just, Daniel and I, at the end of a work week, over, over probably our third glass of wine, talking in depth about a culture that does not deserve to have half an hour discussed about it. Um, and we were like, okay, let's see if this is going to work as a podcast. And we're 16 episodes in, and I'm hoping it's working as a podcast. It is, definitely is. But, I mean, you're incredibly, um, what should I say, the title as well doesn't, you're not, 
you're not pulling back with the title either of the show. Technically, we are because the original title, um, I, I suppose this is a, a, a exclusive, was actually Sloppy Bitches. Um, okay. And my husband said um, it was based on the French and Saunders sketch Lucky Bitches, yeah. which she, where yeah. she played Joan Collins, uh, which, again, not many people know about. And we would sit there and do go to each other, Lucky Bitches. Uh, and so... And sloppy is a term for just messy. And we were like, well, let's call ourselves the sloppy bitches. And my husband was really like, goes, I think you're going to regret that eventually. And eventually we came up with bitches with beards, which even then I was a little bit unsure. I didn't want it, people to think we're being derogatory. We didn't want to be nasty, but we refer to ourselves as bitches. So we kind of figure that's okay. But yeah, it's quite a blunt title. You you don't really get many surprises once you've you've heard that. No, no. It's like Freddie Mercury calling their band Queen. Yeah, exactly. So what sort of structure would you say that your show's got? Is there any structure to it, really? And do you do any scripting ahead? So scripting, we definitely... We make notes, but even yep. so, even today, I I have an inclination to to script and think. So when you sent me about again, don't want to reveal too much, but I got sent some the idea of the questions. I looked over, made sure I knew what it was, but I didn't stop thinking because if I think I script and that loses part of the magic. But we do, we did have a structure. We sat down and we decide we decided we discussed what we wanted to talk about well we knew what we we did so daniel started his older podcast always with a what did you get up to this week and we so we said we're definitely going to have that there's no way we're not going to cuz that warms people up to us we knew that we wanted to discuss the culture that we'd experienced so books any any tv film and also we didn't want to be a news podcast because there's so many of them out there and it's so bleak sometimes, especially in the gay community. So we said we wanted a little bit of an interesting news story. And then the main bulk of it would be what we thought the culture for the week had been. So we had a content list and I think we 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 roughly structured it at the start. And then we did two episodes that, as we joke, we'll never see the light of day. Yeah. But we we worked hard. We we went through it and then we came back and went, okay, well, let's move this to here and that to there. And oh, we can segue easily from this to that. So the structure, I think the structure came about by the fifth episode, but we do make sure we we have it set. So I, I'm glad it sounds reasonably loose, but we we have we we like it structured, and it also keeps us on point, and it lets us take some breaks. Um, but it, it's organized chaos. But no, we definitely have like set segments, and we know what it is. And I said, in terms of scripting, we have uh, intro scripted, and still manage every time to mack it up. Yeah. The only thing we don't always tell each other is our intro line so sometimes so we have each have an intro line and i've made daniel laugh a couple of times by not telling him what my intro line was going to be and we and so we but we don't actually script lines i might make a note of something that i think is funny to say but i can guarantee i will miss it on my notes and afterwards be like oh damn i should have said that but no we try and keep it as flexible and as spontaneous as possible because that's kind of where we 
that's the point of what we are trying to get get across. Yeah, I mean, essentially, you're saying that you do similar to me, where uh, I've not actually put out the questions in full. I tried that once, and it's just not the not the way to go for me. The way that the way that I do it then is I do it with like bullet points. You get two yeah. or three words to sort of like lead to explain what we're going to be talking about. But that way, it allows for conversation to be freer then, because you're thinking, well, how can I ask this? And it's not like you're reading a question ahead thinking, oh, well, I'm going to have to ask this question like this. You allow the conversation to flow, but all you do is just have these points written down in two or three words to make sure that you hit these marks, essentially. Yeah, well, there's nothing kind of worse, and I don't suppose you've seen this or had this on your podcast, where the it, a podcast is a conversation. I, and I said, our one, the best reviews we've got are from, like, I've got from old university friends who have said, oh, it's like being back at uni with you. And that's really nice. Is that when someone lets their interviewee talk and then they go, but they'll answer the question, but then the person's so set on their structure, they'll re-ask a question that's been answered because they don't know how to step. And you're like, yeah, you kind of got to let it flow and i guess that's part of the skill as well and i suppose you must have this you've you've released so many episodes i mean i when i looked at you i was like there's so many um is that you must know now how to kind of get back to something or jump in or make it sound natural but no it's a skill you can't you can't you can't plan out a skill you have to learn and i'm still learning as i as i'm going but it comes with time. I mean, you get you get yeah. you get used to it. The more that you do it, the more that you notice these little things, and you work out how how it works. But I mean, how, how do you actually choose the topics? Then the choice. How do you choose what you're going to discuss? Um, and the fact is that, like you said, it's very of the t- of the moment when you're discussing these things. Yeah. So it's it's a bit like so. You must have had this thing then one week when you recorded a show the other week, and then because I've not gone this far ahead yet, have you have you discussed say Tina Turner dying yet? Yes. So last the episode that came out today uh, was Tina Turner. It's it's so weird. So this the, the we recorded on the first we we, sh- we said we would record on Thursdays, but we always end up recording Fridays now. I edit it over the weekend, then spend three days panicking that nothing, I'm going to have nothing to talk about at all. And then a celebrity dies or something happens. So it, it's, I don't want to say this is going to sound really zen. And I hope people just don't think they're listening to a complete zen idiot at this point. It finds us. We yeah. we keep an eye on stuff that's going on, like with news. I've just walked in. Hello. She's a bit uneasy. Um, no, we we let it, it, it. It's weird stuff will come along and in, in like if if the news we try and find interesting news stories. And I will just I'll, I might be at, you know like at work I might be at home and I'll quickly like Google gay news and I'll see what stories come up that appeal. But with culture, we we don't gatekeep culture. That was one thing we never said we do. We don't. We're not you know, Patsy and Eddie picking what's next and what's a new thing. We we see what's in the feeds and we would, me and Daniel will touch base the whole week and be like, anything yet? What, what are you feeling? What's going on? 
So about, you know, I think this will probably come out after the episode we're recording on Friday, but the news stories that, um, I don't think we've got news stories. Oh, news stories yet, but for, for definitely for culture, we're looking at, oh, I know what it is. Um, but one of the cultural pieces is going to be about people on dating sites who like to send messages but never ever intend to meet and it sounds okay. so weird but daniel's dating at the moment and he's been finding that there's there's certain people that like to say hi let's get lunch sometime okay let's get lunch and they go quiet so i said do we want to do something about that and he's like yeah i think we can have a good discussion about it so with that so that sort of came and that was purely for a conversation that we'd had over the weekend that had been going around my head and saying do you think there's a culture and people that like to feel involved but aren't involved and yeah it, it's very interesting oh then so the other cultural piece and you know marv hold on to your hat this is going to be an intense one is we're going to do a deep dive on kylie's padam padam song okay yeah. because yeah. two weeks ago it came out we're like great kylie's got a new song two weeks later it's all over our feeds there's gifts there's memes and we're like okay we have to discuss why this has hit the big time why is kylie thanking everyone and it sounds like a really flaky subject but it's what everyone's talking about so mm. yeah. and we we sort of sit there and, and do it so as i said it, it finds us as i said when it comes to news stories we we sometimes have felt obligated there was a but we don't like to do go too deep and dark and other times I'll see a story and I'll go, yeah, that's 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 my one for this week. Like last, uh, the one that we just released today, the lady from the Pussycat Dolls is going to be in Sunset Boulevard. And we had a chat quickly about whether or not she'll be any good at it. You know, it's that sort of thing. But it, it has to appeal and it usually does. And I feel that, yeah, we like, well is anything for this week no there isn't and all of a sudden say tina turner dies or someone else dies lily savage dying was a big one that was yeah. quite for me and then that gave me a chance to talk to american audiences and and that that week wrote itself i did a bit of an explanation and we put i put in like a 10 second clip of her at her very best and hopefully shocked a few people that's good to know i mean t- t- you know celebrity deaths it's the thing is, I mean, I mentioned Tina because of the fact of the uh, of how much of an influence she's had on on culture. Yeah, completely. You know, it's not like you know, just this person dies, that person dies, blah blah. blah this, that, and the other. These certain, um, for want of a better phrase, better term, icons in 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 yeah. essence, who have that level that transcends just being a singer or or whatever they've got this thing to them it's a bit like you know marilyn monroe back in the day and james dean it's the same sort of thing they've got this sort of status to them so i mean that's the only reason why i point why i mentioned that but but for for us so she her big resurgence came in was it the the late 80s so i was born 85 which means her music was just the whole way through my childhood you couldn't turn the radio on without you know a song coming on a, a you know within an hour and and that for us was why it was more. I mean, her she she obviously went through hell and back to have her career, and and that's something to be celebrated, and her influences to be celebrated on on modern artists. But 
we kind of did it ourselves because our culture at a very base level was affected by her. And again, we hear, you can't but hear that, that the opening beat of Simply the Best and it's Saturday afternoon and I can smell bolognese because my mum's cooking it in the kitchen for dinner. And it, so that's why, that's where we have the two levels of culture that we have, we 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 pick stuff that's both influential but personal, and we hope that comes across in our conversations. So, what sort of research do you do leading up to it? Then, once you've decided what topics you're going to discuss, how does the research go? Is it just like a general look at this, and you've got the ideas in your head, or do you do you actually then go and write these notes down? So we do. We do our notes. Um, that's usually our Wednesday, Thursday message to each other in the evening going, notes done, notes done. So we'll pick a topic. Uh, we will, for, for the news, I said we don't spend a long time on news, but we will do the cliff notes of the story and then have a quick chat. For research, for the culture, we'll work out what the angle is that we want to attack it at. And then we'll probably do some research into make sure that what we talk about is accurate but we so we research enough to make sure that we're not talking absolute bollocks which probably we still do anyway but when we always said we're not really there to educate we don't say anything that's false but we mainly go quite quickly into our our discussion but so for this week with kylie i'll definitely be doing like an elevator pitch for her uh just so people know because i don't a lot of americans don't know that she was a soap star no. And so they think that her career started with I can't get you out of my head. And you're like, eh, no. So we'll do a, a bit, but we don't, we're not an informative podcast, but we'll make sure that we're not to say any falsehoods. We'll structure it. Uh, I did a deep dive last week on a, a culture that's appearing in England called Hun Culture. So I made sure I had some definitions. I broke it down. I read it out, but also leaving at that room to have that discussion and to have that sort of that 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 freedom to have that chat with your mate. Now I'm going to do a bit of self promotion. Um, that's interesting what you said there about the British and the American is yeah. because. So I, I do another show, uh, Top of Most of the Popper Most. And what that show does is there's three of us, two Americans, and then I'm the Brit. And we look at the US charts and the UK charts and what's going on from when the Beatles first hit the charts until they finish, until the career yeah. ends. And what we're looking at is how the charts differ and how culture differs between the UK and the US but definitely music definitely is different uh, towards the beginning. And then how it changes around the Beatles, how they inspire it, but then also how the Beatles are inspired by what's going on in both of those charts and any people that are connected to the Beatles. It's quite a full-on subject, actually. It's a hell of a lot of research, I will say. Yeah, that, that's that's actually, it, it, it sounds like we're quite lazy. So the, the, what, the, the, my own podcast that I'm developing is a very research heavy one yeah. and um, around food and Daniel did one about true crime and I did a couple of Daniel episodes of Daniel's and obviously I hadn't had the experience that he had coming into it he'd, he'd done 150 episodes by that point wow but it was a lot of work and we said for this one that we wanted to explore but we didn't want to be consumed by 
something that had to be researched heavily and it wasn't a laziness it was just like we wanted this one to be fun with the potential of going somewhere but no when you i i know i know what you mean i feel your pain when you say there's like some episodes are real heavy you're like ah what have i got myself into with this why do i do it to myself but luckily uh the person who ends up doing the the end edit he's he he goes through it minutely and he's got like a fact check he's almost fact checking every time we'll say something he's like right we'll get rid of that because you've got that a bit wrong there because we've put episodes out already where people are pulling us up on it and saying look you've got that wrong it wasn't like that that was wrong and this was wrong and it's like okay thank you how do you deal with that it it was interesting for me when I first put a podcast out and we had I, I see friends message and say oh we like this but your sound's a bit off. It sounds like Max is away from this. And it was very comfort and love, but it was yeah. also a weird one to suddenly, because you suddenly were like, oh God, yeah, this is a public product. How do you handle it when you have like that minute level? I feel bad that you've said that because I've put that in my blog that your sound was a bit quiet on the first episode. Both, yeah. of, your, both of your levels are really quiet. It's yeah. almost like you need to use a levelator to get the volume up on both. And we do now because yeah. someone got back and liked it enough, and we we had to say to ourselves, "They're rooting for us. They wouldn't." Yeah, yeah. I was paying that much attention that I was like listening intently, and yeah. But dare I say, I handled that one with a bit of humour. I put so they were saying, "Oh, we've had this message from this person, and he said this and this and this, and it was basically just where we got it wrong." But it's a, it's a tricky one because we're talking about an era where none of us were around. Yeah. Even Ed. I mean, he was he was young at that time. He's older than me, so he was around then. But he was too young to know what was going on because I think he was born in the, the, the early 60s. So he wouldn't have known how it was. And this person was saying, look, you're not from that time. You don't know what the impact of all this, that, and the other was. And, and I sort of said, well, we know that. And... I basically said, if you have any more points where where we've been incorrect about anything or not quite got the right gist of what's going on at that time, please contact us if you want to on all these services. I've just left it open for them to do it. And, yeah. then, and then if they do that, we read out on a further on a later episode, we just read it out and say, look, you know, yeah, we made mistakes because, you know, sometimes that happens. And this is what, you know. This is how it really happened. Is this how this person's told us in this memo message? But there's also conflicting stories. Let's face it. There's three sides to every story: your side, my side, and the truth. And I remember when I was at school, and I, it's always funny. People joke over here and say, "Were you taught about the Beatles in music class?" I'm like, "Yes, I was." Um, and our teacher told us something, and I went home and told my mum, who's a huge Beatles fan, and she went, "That wasn't how it happened." And then yeah. you know, and. It happens, and it's sort of like I think people forget that we're not carving stuff in stone as a podcast, and it is an interactivity, and we're open some sometimes to having ourselves corrected and tails between legs. If 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 you're lucky that we show that, we didn't learn the Beatles when I was at school in music. I wish we did, but the interesting thing was we had one of the teachers who was an English teacher, and he played guitar, and so I. That was my first initial introduction to guitar was because he was a Beatles fan and he used to have all the, he kept all of his old um, Beatles monthly magazines from the 60s. Mm. 
So I used to just go, I used to just, you know, because it was a boarding school, and I used to just go away and read these mag- read these little monthly magazines that he'd, he'd got and try not to destroy them in the process. But, <laughs> but I'm carefully, glad that they carefully. do that now. Because yeah. I know I was talking to an English teacher, you know, we've gone on to another tangent. I was talking to a teacher that I'm friends with who teaches music, and this is about 10 years ago, possibly a bit longer, and I was saying... My thing, my thing with music, I said, okay, we're having a basic conversation between us. And I said, the way I look at it is, if you made music more interesting for the pupils, I said, then you get more, the, the pupils will be more into it. I said, essentially, you've got to make it, you've got to adapt what you're teaching them to what they're interested in, essentially. So I said, one way to look at it is, what you've got in contemporary music that they listen to now, and now that's influenced by or, in, you know, inspired by music from the past in essence. So you start at that level. You don't start at the, you know, oh, this is how they did it in the classical days, this, that and the other. I said, no, I said, in a way, it's better to go because they're of this age. Go from what's there now and almost do a do, go down the rabbit hole bit by bit incrementally yeah. to take them back. With Lizzo enough, the flute that happens, and that was a big I, I, cultural thing, was when Lizzo was, I forgot whose flute it was, but she performed in DC and they let her use an ex, an old, uh, a very old presidential flute. And they were, obviously everyone was up in arms, how dare she, how dare she. And then all these teachers got back and said, yeah, the next day at school, all these kids were asking about, you know, the history of the flute, the history of the president. And they would, and one teacher said, no, we stopped the lesson and said to hell of the curriculum for the next hour. Let's have a discussion about this. And, oh, how, de-, you know, it's like, oh, this is it. Culture, culture has its place. And it's like, well, this person, these kids now are interested in something. Let them be interested. Let them engage. It's like, ah, ah, yeah, that's me. Ah, it, it's good going back to film it's a bit like with film where you mentioned about peter jackson using yeah. that shot and in essence if you make it a film that's of the time and then you say to people well this this camera angle or this shot that they've used there they've based that on this that was based on that that was mm-hmm. based on that and then you get the history of history of film because yeah it worries me in a way where you've got a lot of younger people and these these films that are, you know, you know, they are important films in history in a sense, but they don't know them because they just see any film before a certain age as being, oh, that's an old film. You, you know, you even say to see people who watch eight films from the eighties and go, oh, I've watched this oldie from the eighties or the nineties, and you'll think, okay, you've missed really great films before then as well like the leone films and these other films that were before that and the hitchcocks you've missed all these only starting at that era i I think though a lot of it is they're so so inundated with like media and culture and uh, content at the moment that there is just whereas um you know when i was a kid you know we my parents would record off the tv they just keep an eye on the tv you know, TV guide, record videos, films off the TV, and that'll be our Saturday night. And we watched a lot of old films because, you know, we went to the cinema once every, like, holiday. You would go and watch a, watch a film or we would 
um watch what's you know, we didn't have a lot of vhs's they were really expensive you know yes, so were. we relied on old older films but now i feel there's so much coming in that there's it's like there's there's no need to leave leave the garden for other food because there's so much fruit in this garden it's like no leave go explore see other stuff and it's just there's I don't think there's a need at the moment to explore the past. And I feel that is sadly something that we need to kind of regain with people. But I think the streaming platforms aren't helping with that either, because you'll go to a streaming platform and you can't find any of these old films unless you pay a ridiculous amount of money yep. to, 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 to basically buy a digital copy of it, which I think is also something where they're going wrong especially when you've got companies like Amazon have bought MGM. And I mean, yeah. MGM, I've got some incredible films in their back catalogue that they're just not touching on Amazon at all. They're the ultimate back catalogue. Mm. You know, it's it's ridiculous. No, it, I, I do agree. And I also feel there's a lot of films that I, I haven't seen and they just weren't on TV when I was a kid. So I'm, I'm starting to kind of re-explore a lot of stuff. Uh, especially uh, my husband's away for work a bit so I'll go I'll just have a weekend of just watching movies and that for me feels like a weekend well spent but I'll pick stuff out that I've never seen or I'll make a note on my phone and be like you have to find this and you have to watch it like like Woody Allen's I know very controversial subject with him but yeah. Hannah and her sisters I'd never seen I was like but I I I really we wanted to sit down and watch it and and it's interesting but I feel as well is because Streaming services bombard us. When you go on, you turn it on, you get a trailer straight away, you get this straight away, you get trending straight away. So just because everyone has decided to watch something means the algorithm is now pushing something at you. And you think, okay, well, I'll watch that. Oh, why did I come on here? Oh, that's gone out of your head. That's way forgotten. The film that you thought about watching because enough people push an algorithm for you to be confronted by Kate Wars. And, you know, that's yeah. what you're watching. Yeah. You know, Sorry, Veronica Lake, your, your classic I Married a Witch is in the past now. We're down to, let's see who can like, bur you know, burn a Victoria sponge. Shout out to Nailed It on Netflix. <laughs> I do, do like Nailed It. And Bake Off, but that's about as far as we go. Well, the winner with Bake with nailed it is is the the attitude of Nicole, who, who's the 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 um, lovely the, Nicole. The, yes, because she doesn't she doesn't hold anything back. No, she's perfect for that. But that that I mean that she was another one actually that everyone says nailed it but she had a podcast way before nailed it came yeah. out you know and it's a weekly staple it's my end of week joy at the moment um but yeah she's another one she has a whole rich career and she's like yeah no i just do this thing now that get oh she has actually i think now it's actually not happening anymore because there were strikes but okay but that's that's why the last season was short i said again this is me i have this I have, I have a brain full of useless facts and i need to work out how to use it properly but she's even less held back on the podcast than she is with Nailed It. Nailed boy, It is edited. Boy, is she not held back on that podcast. No, she no, she does not. So uh, show music and show logo. You created the logo then, which is which is great. Yes. It, re it reminds me of almost like those, oh, are they Funko Pops or whatever, where you, yeah. you don't get the full face, you just get like the specific, like you'll get the, the glasses, 
or you get the eyebrows and then the beard, but you don't get the eyes or the mouth or the nose. Yeah, I, I wanted to. So, so Daniel, like we both have limitations in terms of how much we put ourselves out there, and 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 Daniel, like he 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 has a big division between the podcast and his life, whereas I'm more engaged on on in 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 the social medias, and so photos were not going to happen. But I came up with it. I said, "How about let me try something?" And I said, "I'll do silhouettes of us," and that's worked really well. So you can recognise us, and I've had people come up to me. Our friends that when I was over in England a couple of weeks back are going, oh, we've lost a podcast. And, you know, who do you get to design your graphics? I'm like, it was me. I just know how to use Illustrator. But then I, then I made the mistake of on a weekly basis, I started creating silly graphics to go with each episode. And it's got more and more extreme with each one. And uh, I, I have to find basic weeks. So I don't know if you've noticed like for our British episode, it was a Union Jack, and then one episode involved us in a ski accident. And it was after that I said maybe each other week that I go a bit extreme. But the logo has been really important to me. I feel that it's it's a it, I don't want I don't again I use the word gatekeep a lot. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there saying how podcasts should be done. For me, it was important. But I don't judge based on a logo. But for me, I was like, I really want a solid, solid logo. And it it made me relax a lot more about the first impressions the podcast was making. Because I don't know about you when you started this one, but you panic so much about so, so many little de- technical details. Just to have a solid logo meant I was like, okay, I'm making a solid first impression. At least they'll start listening. Hopefully they'll start laughing. Oh, God, and the amount of time it takes to come up with a title. Oh, no. Of each episode? Oh. No, just in general for the podcast general, yeah. itself. You go through, you know, a lot of people go through. So I went through so many different sort of thoughts of title. I'm thinking, should I call it this? No, that sounds terrible. This sounds terrible. No, don't like that. Somebody's got that one. Oh, dear. But, yeah. Yeah, we had to. We we said we. I mentioned earlier what our our, our process was, yeah. and we knew roughly what it was going to be. But even then, and that'll be like the way I would do it in future is do the podcast and see how it actually feels. And I guess it's like people try and name a baby. They're like, well, let's let's hold it and see what name comes to mind. So yeah, podcasts are babies. You have to wait for them to be born for them to sometimes pick a name for it. The show, the show music. Then is that? Uh, have you got that from somewhere else? Actually, keep it. You know what? I forgot this completely. The show logo. The other good thing about the logo is so you've got those two pictures of you and I haven't put this in mine because I haven't got coloured pens. But it's not in your face. But the use of the the rainbow colours in the background you, yeah. as well is is perfect. It tells you what it is without it being like I said. It's. It's comfortable, like the show is comfortable. It's not yeah. in your face in any way, you know, with any part of the package at all. It's just a nice, comfortable, it is the best thing in a sense, just listening to two friends, as we say in the yeah. UK, just just gabbing, just talking with each other. Yeah, we we had that thing, obviously both being gay, that a lot of our, our culture that we receive is is gay, but we also, you know, like, this week's episode i discussed the star wars hotel ending because i think that's a cultural thing you know that a five thousand dollar a night whatever hotel failing great disney wake up to the sign of the times but 
we wanted to we we did want to have an element of 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 gay culture in there but we didn't want to have a huge flag in the background and it just looks very generic and we didn't we wanted to stand out so I looked and I looked and we found this like rainbow which it was a very 70s muted pattern yeah and we kind of felt that that again let's say the going back to the coastal grandmas that we're that little bit more mature the muted nature said the comfortable muted nature was to say this is not an in your face hey we're hip 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 podcast but like now nah, we've got some slippers on while we do this but in, in my head i see it like the old 70s sitcoms from england yeah. especially like was it the good life and that real muted look to them i like no that's what that's where my culture began that's why i wanted to start this off with when you look at those old shows from the 70s that we had in the uk and they've got a certain look to the to the film of it as well haven't they where it's like yeah. it's not that well processed it's a, maybe slightly grainy even when you've cleaned it up there's still that almost sepia look to it and then when he said like in the audience was one thing but when he said take it outside like especially in the good life you just have to go outside to the garden it was like all of a sudden it was like there's fog everywhere but this is just how it was wasn't it? it like the complete picture quality sound would change and i loved it absolutely so have you got i mean i know you've only been going for 16 episodes yeah. i think but have you got a standout episode so far or a standout subject where you think, wow, we really hit that well? Definitely. Okay, so I will say that episode 16, which came out today, is perfect in my eyes, purely because I feel that we really hit our stride. We got it in under the hour. I don't know what it was. We just fired on all cylinders. And I think we'd had so because we've done it last few weeks, we've had some vacations, we've been learning as we're going. And I just was so proud of this particular episode. But my baby, my favorite one, and I'll have to quickly get my I can never remember what what type um, number it is, but I will have to direct people is episode A, my egg. Because I, I, we start with this in that every so often a story comes about as if it was made for our podcast and it was Gwyneth Paltrow and that damn court case. Yeah. And her. So the week before, we sometimes do a thing where the other one will hear a story but not know what they're talking about. So I'll text Daniel and go, I keep hearing Gwyneth Paltrow get mentioned. Can you research that for me and then tell me the story back? And we've and it's worked a couple of times. It's it, uh, we we interchanged that segment. And he told me this story about Gwyneth Paltrow, and it was episode seven. And then the next week it just blew up. So couldn't be quite believe that we had the queen of all generic self-help culture in a ski accident it was yeah. like chef's kiss and we had such we 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 sat down before and said look we have got to discuss this we said clear was it was it you know hold the front page clear the presses whatever and the funnies and we had such a good time doing it because we printed out all the court transcripts and read them as if it was a romance because it was her and the lawyer <laughs> and the lawyer and we put music in the background and it was just so we i and i think the husband came at one point and sat we let him sit and listen to it he was like having a drink as well and we were all giggling and and i started to direct daniel and i was like make this bit more be like yeah 
yes, about Breffy. And for us, I think that that was that episode where we knew that we we were onto something and we just had so much fun. And I think there was tears coming down our faces at some point. And we've tried that since. And I think two episodes ago, we did another one where my cousin, I went to visit him in Edinburgh, Scotland, and he he came back. He said he was told us about something that happened at his office party and it hit the newspapers. Um, so wow. we found the story and my husband does a really good Scottish accent. So we got him to read it in his Scottish. I never told Daniel. I said, Daniel, we're going to read you a story. And we were just absolutely in tears by it. And he, and he was, it was sound like Mrs. Doubtfire reading it. So that's episode 15. Definitely give that one a go as well. It's about an hour in. If you do want to skip, but please don't. But trust me, it's really worth this story because we are just having the best time. But there will be the two episodes. Yeah, episode eight, though, definitely the Gwyneth Paltrow story. We try and make like so petty, so relevant because it kind of was in the end, but it, it was just where we knew we were onto the right on the on the right track with the podcast well there's all sorts of things going on in the, in, in the world at the moment it must be really difficult to choose not what to what not to talk about yeah we do i mean we did uh the coronation we did eurovision because that's just i was over there for that uh two weeks time we've got um pride in dc so we're going to do a whole episode on on that but just for now own again slightly cynical we, we we don't like to be too cynical and we especially said early on we weren't going to be mean but so if we have nothing nice to say unless it's like like what's going on in you know florida you know unless it's like we will be overly positive but no sometimes we have to work out where to put everything i'm afraid this week the little mermaid live action has got renegated to to weekly catch up <laughs> really sorry about that disney you just sorry, not hit disney. the mark yeah. you'll see a drop marv you're going to go look now this week and see a drop in the profits because we didn't mention it yeah that's it yeah <laughs> disney will be going bankrupt in no time yeah sorry yeah right <laughs> um, what what do i mean by life advice tip I've got no idea what I mean by number nine life advice tip. Don't do podcasts. <laughs> I think no. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't put you, don't give yourself too much to do. I, think yeah. I honestly, that would be my life advice. I, 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 I am someone that really likes to over volunteer. Well, not really volunteer as much, but I, I always find I have a thousand things to do, and actually, this podcast has been. It is a responsibility, yeah. and I feel that you know once you start it, you definitely have to continue. We we release weekly, which is in, in, in intense. We managed to get our schedules, and we're in a we're we're very good friends. We're very honest with each other. If we can't like miss a week, we have to like delay a couple of days, which we've done once, which was not fun. But we're very honest, and we're able to keep this up. But no, once you start a podcast, it's like you you really have to. You owe you be, you feel like you owe your audience if they're going to invest in you. So yeah, don't overinvest your time if you don't have time to do a podcast. Well, that falls into the next one, doesn't it? That podcast advice. Don't start a podcast if you want to make money. Absolutely no. Do not do that. Um, I, I, I actually I saw that question. I thought it was a good one. I said we're, I, I, I'm, I'm some, I'm, I'm. I've, 
I'm a bit of an audio engineer. I, yeah. I, I do it through film, but I we we use a snowball mic and we do it in the kitchen and we just about manage to keep it together. Uh, I would say if a podcast, if you're going to start a podcast, obviously make sure that your your it's you, you people can understand you and your levels are clear. Yeah, but. I I I don't I don't know if this like ever you've ever said I hope I'm not going to offend you but there's a lot of people that like to say you have to spend a lot of money and don't do it if your mic's about like have fun start yeah. it see if you like it or not practice fail come back again you'll you'll you know it's it's just have fun and if it stops being fun stop doing it like and you and I get together once a week and if we didn't have the mics in front of us. We'd still be talking this crap. So, yep. you know, I actually look forward to it. It's quite eventful. So, yeah, have fun. Don't worry about what people think unless they obviously start to give you honestly good advice about how to better your product. Well, I'm only using this mic and the equipment I use because I already owned it before I started. Yeah. I'm really yep. annoyed because I've got all this great equipment at work and I'm almost like, you can't do it. I own, for the record, have never touched it. But I'm always like going, ah, oh, there's like a whole studio. And I'm there like, here's my lovely little mic, my headphones. It, it works. It's great. You know, but um, so what What do you like to listen to in, in the world of podcasting? I listen to way too many podcasts. So I went away for two weeks and it's probably going to take me about a month to play catch up. Yeah. But I... I like a podcast that I like a Trojan horse podcast. Uh, so I, I started when, you know, I, I, when yours came up on my feed, I started to look at, listen to it. And thanks to your last episode, I'm now very nostalgic about Christmas uh, because it, it, you do, you, I like a podcast that is about one thing, but you learn about something else. Um, so my all time favorite is Grace Dent, who's a food critic, does one called Comfort Eating. Yeah, it's a beautiful podcast, and I, I think she's got a lovely voice. Anyway, I think she's got a really she's the only person I know that can eat on a podcast that doesn't make me feel sick. Quite frankly, that's good. Um, but yeah, but her podcast for those who haven't listened to it is probably a few people. She's a food critic in England and a restaurant critic, and she invites any guest on. They 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 come in with a food they enjoy as a comfort food, and then she talks about their lives but uses food as a, a source. So she'll ask him why they like this comfort food, or then she'll say, oh, you were born here. What was food like? How much food? You know, she always roots it back to food, but you, she she somehow has these in-depth interviews. And it's the same with, I say, Brett Goldstein's one about uh, films to be buried with. He talks about yeah. film, but he find out so much about people. Alan Carr does one about travel. But again, it's, I like the, that sort of look over here but while i'm distracting you you're going to reveal so much about yourself and so there i think definitely that my, my favorite style of podcast is where you go in and don't expect to learn so much and but definitely like, i'd say grace dense one is is the epitome of like what i'd always like to reach in a podcast yeah yeah i'm i've not checked the others out i'll be honest but i have checked out um films to be buried with that's a great that's, show Oh, it is. He said he was going to end it at one wow. point. I said, don't you dare. Who has got a really good one is Joe Brand now does one about death. Yep. Not Joe Brand. Yep. Um, oh, Kathy Burke. 
Yes. Oh, sorry, that's yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. my lovely dog, Rory, but she's deaf, ironically, so she can't hear my oh. podcast. Um, but no, so yeah, so just I like anything that's about something but takes you on another another line. You know, I'm looking for something now. Where have I put that book? There's one I've started listening to, actually, that is a guy, and I think it's incredibly brave, and I can't for the life of me remember it, but he's going through the story of his mother has got has got Alzheimer's. Yeah. And he's, he's discussing about how she, how about, he basically his first episode discusses what she was like beforehand. And then the extreme difference because of the lockdown and how she was after the lockdown was lifted and he was able to visit her and how different she was afterwards and that. And I think it's an incredibly brave program, but also fascinating i mean it, it touches me because my own my own mother's got alzheimer's so i mean it it sort of like speaks to me but there's there's a load of really good podcasts out at the moment to be honest there is i'm sorry about your mother but there's a really there's a really good one uh called dying for sex that was a limited one and i think it won podcast of the year and that was a uh, about a lady that found out she was terminally ill of cancer mm-hmm. and she she divorced her husband and decided to spend the rest of her remains of her days having a lot of sex and it was a really really good one it was so well done and the last episode really had been tears and you knew what was going to happen you know and it was done very well but no there's I think podcasting is a very it's it's there's a it's a very oversaturated but it's a very special medium and I think that there's a lot of good stuff out there so recommend 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 absolutely I always say that there's that many podcasts out there. There'll be something there for you if you if you keep checking them out. Exactly, exactly. There might be thousands of film podcasts out there, but they're not all 100% the same because the because the presenters make the shows different. Yeah, and it's and it is it's finding that right angle with it, and that I I probably wouldn't listen to a review podcast as much. Um, I like classical podcasts because I like I don't I it depends what you can keep up with and that but no there's a, there's a, there's a lot of good film podcasts out there and it's about making sure and I think that comes back to advice is is what is your unique selling point you know don't just come on and and I guess discuss a pod I'm gonna do film reviews it's great but there's a lot of that and a lot of people who are paid to do that that can do it a lot quicker and a lot more efficiently so. If you can do one review a week, why is it funny? And I think that that's something that a lot of people are starting to find, and it's really great people are finding their voice. Yeah, the film ones. I mean, like like a lot of shows where you've got many people as you know on the shows. What attracts me to them isn't always necessarily the subject that they're talking to. I mean, it pulls me into a degree. Yeah, it's. I like a pro- I like a podcast where you get difference of opinion sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's where it makes it interesting because it's conversation and it's real. Where one person will come and come at the subject from one angle, and one will come at it from another angle, and each person adds spice to that show. Yeah, we're, we're like that's why we're we're hoping at one point, me and Daniel, that we're going to have a, not an on-air argument or something. But um, unfortunately, we're kind of joined at the hip a little bit, which might be the downfall the podcast because we never ever disagree but i think if me and the husband had a podcast together we'd probably make it a little bit more interesting because we always kind of see we always kind of come from a different end of things 
that reminds me of a podcast once where they got their partners to actually be the host as a one-off. That could be interesting. Yeah. I think that there's there's stuff in that, but I I I I I I believe in a separation of church and state, as they say. So I'll just stick with my best mate and some wine. That's a good idea. So where can people find you and get in touch with you? Well, we are on most major platforms. Um, we are on our Apple Podcasts, Spotify as Bitches with Beards. I am going to obviously get up now quickly our Instagram because that is run by Daniel. And our Instagram is bitches w beards the pod. And if anyone on Twitter, I we are bitches with beards or it's Max J Sycamore. That's Sycamore spelled like the tree. And please welcome to say hi on Twitter. Uh, uh, that's more my personal, but I do enjoy discussing and meeting people through that. As long as you're nice, no Twitter trolls, please. That's so last year. I've just looked at that and you have an incredible image on Instagram of, have a look. Oh, Daniel's cruising one. The Titanic one. Yeah. My favourite. That's hilarious. That was one week that it took me about two hours to do. And I was like, no, we're not doing this every week. And I think the next week was us in front of the Union Jack. Much easier. Much easier. Much easier. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, you mean, I mean, with that picture there, you may end up getting James Cameron asking you if you want to be in a version of that film. Uh, he might give me a, if he gets me like insight into like Avatar 3 or something, then, you know, I'll be that given my cultural views on the, I can't remember what the alien species are, but yeah. No, I've been, I, it's nice to get some attention. My favorite graphic actually out of all of them was the Bud Light one, because like that was a bit of a serious conversation that week. And, it was funny just to put our faces on the Bud Light hands and just say, really? Really? Yeah. That's brilliant. I was going to go somewhere with that, but I don't want to embarrass somebody <laughs> that, that we did a picture of. That, yeah. We put, we put, we put my, my older brother, one of my older brother's picture, face on, on top of something. Uh, but we're not going to... It's a, it's an audio medium. We'll leave it for the visuals. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for speaking with me today, Max. Thank you for having me on. We're just a baby podcast, but we're growing strong. So hopefully, you know, people come say hi. Well, I already know a couple of people who are interested in listening to this and hearing the discussion. So you've got people out there in the podcasting world that follow you. Perfect. That's wonderful. I said, I, you know, um, and good luck with this podcast. I can't quite, but I mean, say good luck. You are so many episodes in. I hope we get to where you are. I made the mistake when I started of trying to release twice weekly. No. Yes. And then I tried that for a while. And then eventually I just, I can't do this. I really can't do twice a week. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Re- well, res- respect be- to those that do it every day. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, they usually pay to do it. Did I say that? Um can't make money for podcasts yes you can but no hopefully i'll be back in a couple of years to to say hi and hopefully i'll still be doing this that's a good idea i've got i've got people from two years ago asking to come back to do an up, update <laughs> it's a good idea yeah it's gonna come and scream into the mic of a primal scream probably and go why why <laughs> <laughs>
eventually go all meta and have show where I where I where I um do a co- you know a um yeah where I listen to my own episodes back and do a commentary track maybe. Oh, that's the second episode a week then. That's a bonus episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Anyway, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me on. Have a good one. Enjoy. I'll go to sleep now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm obviously tired because I've just repeated that thing twice. Then. So, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, you can find Pods Like Us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok just by looking for Pods Like Us, because it is basically the address slash Pods Like Us on all of those. And we are available through podslikeus at gmail.com. And, um, yep, you can also go to uh, Patreon as well. We have, I've got a Patreon page that, you know, there's extra footage and stuff goes on there as well. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us.